Welcome back everyone to Jonathan's Coin Toss. This week we're going to be discussing what happened this past Sunday at WWE Money in the Bank. So let's get started. So first things first, in this Money in the Bank pay-per-view, of course there's always a pre-show match or a couple of matches. In this case, during Money in the Bank, there's only one pre-show match which featured Jeff Hardy taking on Cesaro. So rumors online lately have been that Jeff Hardy, who's always been a popular superstar in the company for well over two decades pretty much, uh, he's in line for a big push. So in this match, uh, it's about, I don't know, seven minutes or so, eight minutes, somewhere around, around that. Uh, you know, good match. They both showed their athleticism. Cesaro's always good. And Hardy, although he's in his 40s, still looks great, works great. And uh, again, he's always popular. One of my favorites growing up and still is to this day. It's good to see him around. Of course, his brother Matt Hardy's in AEW now, so he's gone. But he's still in WWE. So, again, he's in line allegedly for a push. Uh, holding the uh, the Universal title, it looks like it's going to be at some point. Which is uh, held right now by Braun Strowman. So in this match, Jeff Hardy gets the win. So he's been piling up wins here and there. And beating some good competition, so it definitely seems that it's heading that way. So it's, I'm curious to see if it's going to be uh, Hardy versus Strowman, or will Braun lose the title to the Fiend? Could it be the Fiend versus Jeff Hardy? That would be interesting. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. But yes, Jeff Hardy gets the win on the pre-show over Cesaro. And the next matchup was the Fatal Four Way Tag Team Match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Featuring the champions, the New Day, eight-time tag champs, taking on Miz and Morrison, taking on Lucha House Party versus the Forgotten Sons. So this is a fun match, very entertaining. And of course, a lot of uh, high-flying spots, and I enjoyed it. It was good. It's still, still rough to watch these pay-per-views without fans. You know, there, there are really a lot of, uh, a lot of good spots in these uh, multi-man, multi-woman matches. And there's no one out there to cheer, unless you're cheering from home, but <laughs> no one can hear. But uh, they're, they're putting good matches out there still with no energy. They feed off that energy, and i got to give them a lot of credit to not have that and still go out there and perform the way they are. That's, that's tip my cap to them. Uh, but in this match, the New Day would retain. Big E would go on to pin Grand Metallic, and the 1-2-3, and they retained their tag title, so... Uh, I guess the New Day is going to hold on to those titles for a while. It looks like, uh, if anything, Miz and Morrison may get them back in the future. I'm sure the Forgotten Sons would uh, kind of linger and maybe stick around. Lucha House Party, you know, they're talented, but I don't know if they'll get the title soon. The New Day, I mean, they're the cream of the crop right now in WWE as far as uh, tag teams are concerned. They're the money makers, merchandise, they're, they're uber popular. They have a podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty hard to uh, stop the New Day, and that's why uh, they continue to hold on to those tag team championships, and they, they've earned it. I love New Day. They're awesome. I mean, how can you not love a team that throws pancakes and, and all sorts of random goodies at people, at fans in the stands? So we'll see what happens with the tag titles, but yes, New Day is going to hold on to them, I'm, I'm assuming, for a little bit longer until we see maybe a new team come around. I'm not a fan of when... Uh, teams hot potato the titles you know one team gets it here for a few weeks gives it back 
So I have Miz and Morrison, who, who I like as well. They go on to get the titles again, and I don't know really where they're going. It's kind of just a downtime. This tends to happen after WrestleMania. But this is where you use your uh, younger talent, who's not so known. So uh, maybe it would be good to put on the uh, Forgotten Sons. Uh, but we'll see what happens uh, in the next few weeks or so. Up next, uh, we saw R-Truth take on, well, he was supposed to originally take on MVP, but it would turn out to be Bobby Lashley instead. R-Truth came out. He's always hilarious. He did his whole spiel coming out, saying what's up. And again, no fans in attendance, but there he is in the ring saying what's up to everyone. He, he's always happy-go-lucky, right? <laughs> uh, but in this match, MVP would come down and... He was just ready to put the work on R-Truth and take him down. But uh, as, he's about, as he's about to put the mic down and start the match, here comes Bobby Lashley out of nowhere. Tells MVP, take the night off. I got this, essentially. And it became Lashley versus R-Truth. So this is a throwaway match. It wasn't really long at all. Just a couple of minutes. Pretty much uh, Lashley squashing R-Truth. And, uh, you know... Bobby Lashley, he was around in uh, 2007 or so, an ECW uh, brand at the time. And he was their champion at some point. Uh, looked like he was going to be a big, big star in the company. And he still could be. Still in great shape. I think he's in his 40s as well right now. Um, as uh, Jeff Hardy, as I mentioned earlier, these guys are up in their in age. But they still look great. And uh, Lashley, it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He went to TNA. Then he came back over the years and whatnot. Um... So I'm curious to see if we ever get the dream match that a lot of people have asked for since that time he first arrived, Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. Will that ever happen? I hope it happens. And uh, hopefully with these sort of wins, it wasn't a big win beating our truth but hopefully these type of wins just pile up for him and he can get bigger opportunities, bigger matches, and hopefully one day lead to uh, Lashley-Lesnar. I think it would be very interesting. Uh, Brock always, you know, it's well known he's an NCAA, you know, champion and whatnot, a legit badass. He's just a machine. You know, a lot of people aren't fans of his, but I mean, you can't deny how great he is. And uh, Lashley is no slouch. He's an MMA fighter as well. He's got that under his belt. Great, great shape. So that'd be a battle uh, match I like to see. And hopefully we see that. Hopefully Lashley, uh, hopefully he doesn't fade away and he's not put into any weird storylines with other men's uh, wives again. <laughs> so I'm glad that's over with. But we won't speak about that. But yes, Lashley defeats R-Truth. Crushed him. So that was that for R-Truth. Who knows where where they're going to go with him. He was the 24-7 champion, I don't know, 50 times over now. I'm sure he's the uh, he's pretty much the king of that, of that championship, which I haven't even seen in a while. Probably since Mania. But, uh, yeah, R-Truth just there for entertainment and to get squashed. So, we'll see what happens with him as well. Up next, we had the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match between Bayley and Tamina. Tamina has always lingered, and you gotta wonder if she'll ever have her time as a women's champion in the company. Um, I don't believe she's ever held a title, as far as I can remember. And if she did at some point, that was probably a long time ago. <laughs> but Bailey, uh, she's the heel now. Tamina usually is the heel. Looks like she's face or a tweener. 
And, uh, but yes, it was these two, and uh, Bailey had Sasha by her side. Uh, before we talk about the match, of course, I feel that uh, Bailey and Sasha, I mean, it looks like they're heading towards a uh, collision course. And this match, right before it started, uh, they're both getting interviewed. And the question to Sasha was pretty much, do you think uh, Bailey is blaming you for their tag team loss on SmackDown? Right before Money in the Bank. And as soon as Sasha's about to answer, Bailey jumps in and goes, of course not, etc., etc. So it didn't even let Sasha answer the question. So you can just kind of tell that's where they're going with this. Um, they've been buddies so long. Sasha's helped Bailey repeatedly retain her her uh, title and matches over the last few months. And uh, usually Sasha's the one that says, you know, like, like her, her, her gimmick. She's the boss. And um, she hasn't held a title in a very long time. So you have to wonder at some point, will she stop being a lapdog to Bailey, and go out there and actually go one-on-one and try to take down Bailey herself and win back a, a, a championship. It's been a while. Her and that, her, at one time, her and Charlotte kept going back and forth, trading the title. So curious to see where that goes. They're kind of hinting at that, but you never know. With WWE, they could drop the ball. They can just stop it. And we may never see these two go at it. But they had great matches in NXT. That's from roughly five years ago or so. Um, if you've never see that, seen those matches, t- uh, check it out on the WWE Network. But as far as this match, uh, Bayley would retain. And yep, you guessed it. With the help of Sasha. At the end of the match, Sasha ran in the ring as Tamina's going for the pin. And distracts her. Kind of runs away. She's uh, Tamina's chasing Sasha, and then Bailey rolls her up. One, two, three, and then after the match, as Tamina's about to drop Bailey with her uh, Samoan drop, Sasha comes in, stops that, and then takes out Tamina. So again, it's like it's just repeating itself. Sasha helps Bailey retain, and it's like pretty much here's your belt. You know, good job. Bailey's the longest reigning uh, SmackDown Women's Champion of all time. And a lot of that's thanks to Sasha. So, again, this match, you know, I, I can see it happening maybe at SummerSlam. Uh, again, we're at these at downtime right now after WrestleMania. Backlash is the next pay-per-view. I don't. I think that's too soon. I doubt that uh, Sasha will turn on Bailey, but you never know. So I'm expecting that to blow over at SummerSlam. But we'll see. That's still a couple of months away. But for now, yes, Bailey is still your WWE SmackDown Women's Champion. And following that match, you would have the Universal Championship match between the champion Braun Strowman taking on Bray Wyatt. So no fiend this time. You can't can't kill that gimmick so soon, you know. You got to give it a break here and there. So for the first time in I believe 5 months, I think December, I think that was uh TLC Against The Miz, if I remember correctly, uh, it was the last time we saw Bray Wyatt wrestle as himself, as Bray Wyatt, but not as The Fiend. So that's what happened here. He did win that match, uh, but he wouldn't win this one. Braun Strowman would retain his Universal Championship. Um, and again, you know, he's these two had history. Um, they've been drawing at each other last few weeks, month or so. Vignettes, promos, etc. A lot of callbacks to the old uh, Wyatt family that they were in together. 
At that point, Braun Strowman had just debuted, and he was the he was pretty much nicknamed the Black Sheep of the group, and he would literally wear a a mask, a black sheep mask. Um, that was my favorite spot of the match. The match was physical between the two. Two big bulls is going at it. Um, but the bigger bull would prevail and Braun Strowman. But uh, but going back to my favorite part of the match was when he wore his black sheep mask. Uh, Bray Wyatt would kick him out of the ring off the apron. And as he's getting up, camera kind of pans out, or zooms in rather, on uh, Braun Strowman's face. He's got the mask on. And that just excited Bray Wyatt. He's on his knees, pretty much saying, welcome back. Glad to have you back, et cetera, et cetera. All that good stuff. And uh, for a moment or two, I guess, he tricked him uh, into thinking, yeah, we're back together. Welcome back to the family. But after a couple of minutes, he would take the mask off, toss it to the ground, and proceed to... uh, Hitting Bray Wyatt with his finisher to running power slam, and that's how he'd beat him one, two, three. So curious to see how much longer these two brawl and keep this rivalry going. I love the callback, great spot in the match uh, between the two. And uh, what I'm going to assume is next time around, maybe at Backlash, the Fiend will return in the ring and face off against Braun Strowman. He wants that Universal Title back, which he lost to Goldberg a few months back. Did the Fiend so? Braun Strowman's still your universal champion. And uh, it's funny how that happened. I mean, we've all been waiting or at least wondering when he'd win the big one. He won it under different circumstances, as I discussed in a previous podcast. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm happy to see him. I think he deserves it. So many high spots the last few years. A lot of classic moments, you know, tossing over the ambulance on Roman Reigns or what have you. And all these other crazy spots. So it's good to see Braun as champ. Um, and he's pretty athletic for a big guy, big guy. So it's, you, know, you always hear the thing, oh, he's big, he can't do anything. I think he's pretty impressive. He's really powerful, and they make sure to show that. And uh, and how good is Bray Wyatt? I mean, he can go in there dressed up as uh, Mr. Rogers, <laughs> and then uh, next month or next few weeks dressed up as The Fiend, and he just kicks ass either way. But, uh, of course, The Fiend is better, obviously. And I uh, can't wait to see him back in the ring. And uh, we'll see if they have some sort of gimmick match. I would assume they're going to. Uh, maybe a cage or... Uh, I don't want to say last man standing. Just something that they'll be able to use weapons. And we'll see where that goes. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like The Fiend will take back his title at some point. And uh, I don't know what they'll do with Braun after that. They'll have him chase back the title... I mean, we'll we'll see where they're going with that. So, looking forward to that. Up next, we had uh, another title match. This one was for the WWE Championship with the champion Drew McIntyre taking on Seth Rollins. And uh, another feud that's been brewing the last few weeks. And um, pretty good match between the two. Rollins is always, always great in the ring. Um... I'm not sure when his music changed. I had watched, I had missed a little bit of SmackDown and Raw last few weeks, mostly reading, catching up on them. But I always make sure to watch the pay-per-views. It's hilarious how I do that nowadays. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, I don't know when his music changed, but it did. No more Burn It Down for Seth Rollins. Um, and then Drew McIntyre would come out after that. I, I was just thrown off by that for a minute. 
And I was like, wait a minute, when did you change the song? Maybe it was just then. I have to look back at that. But regardless, Seth, Seth's got his uh, Monday Night Messiah thing going on. So I guess his music kind of sort of matches that now, his gimmick. So uh, nonetheless, Drew McIntyre would defeat Seth Rollins. There were a few spots in which it looked like Seth would go on to become yet again WWE champion. Uh, and hit him with a couple of curb stomps. Um, but ultimately, Drew was like, uh-uh. He would hit, <laughs> he would hit Seth Rollins. Hilarious. He would hit Seth Rollins so hard with the Claymore kick that his head just stood up. He couldn't even, couldn't even lay down on the ground. His head just stood up as McIntyre pinned him one, two, three. I don't know why. I just thought that was so silly. <laughs> he got kicked so hard he couldn't put his head down. But good match. And then after the match, they shook hands. That's the one part I'm curious about. Is Seth turning babyface? Already, after he just turned heel. I mean, I, I I think that's just too soon. So we'll have to see where his mind is. He seems to be uh, kind of lost in, uh, as far as Gimme's concerned. And seeing where we're going to go now. He's yelling at Murphy. He's just not acting like himself. So we'll see what happens. But Drew, I expect Drew to hold on to the title for a, a while. At least over the summer. But again, you never know with WWE. And I, I think it'd be fair to let him hold that title when there's an actual crowd again. Uh, it seems like we're getting closer to that. If we, Even if we're a couple of months away, just let him hold on to it. Even after SummerSlam. Uh, unless it's in a crowd or in, in an arena, rather. So, happy to see Drew. He's worked his way back up after those years as a jobber. 3MB, ugh. Awful gimmick. But yes, he retains over Seth Rollins. Up next was the main events. The reason for this pay-per-view. The Money in the Bank ladder match. In the match, you must climb the ladder to obtain the briefcase, which contains a contract, which a superstar can use for up to one year, one calendar year, to uh, take on a champion of his or her choosing any championship at any time. So, again, this this was once upon a time a match just on the WrestleMania card. Over the years, has grown and grown and become much more popular. It, is, it has helped uh, superstars become uh, a little bit better. Uh, one notch better, if you will. Others, not so much. Some would win this briefcase and never cash it in or cash it in but not win their championship that they were chasing. So... You know, these are always exciting times. This is uh, this is the one thing that's good after WrestleMania when it happens because it could start something new, something fresh with new superstars or just someone who maybe has, hasn't gotten that push, that big push. So uh, now this is probably, honestly, one of my favorite matches. It's so ridiculously hilarious. That's one of my favorite matches in recent memory. I mean, in this case, usually it's just a match with just the women. Going after the Money in the Bank briefcase. Or just the men. This match however had all men and women. That were chosen from their respective matches. That they won in order to qualify for said match. So it was just everyone going at it. And uh, not, only, not only that. The match was not taking place in a performance center. But rather, rather WWE headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. <laughs> I, I, when I first heard that this was going to happen, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I didn't expect this to go 
well, but at the same time I was thinking about it, we've seen some of these other pre-recorded matches that have been great. So I thought, you know what, with all the talent that they're going to have in this match, both men and women, and all the uh, weeks they've been working on this, this match has been worked on for several weeks in advance up in Connecticut. I was like, you just don't know what you're going to see. And we saw a lot of random stuff, that's for sure. So the way the structure of the match worked was all participants in the match would start on the bottom floor and would have to work their way up to the very top, all the way to the roof of the building of WWE headquarters. So that they did. So the women, they introduced them, each of them uh, in the main lobby of WWE headquarters with their music and their little mini entrances shortened if you will and then the men were all introduced in the gym which was funny weird because they're just (laughs) they're all just talking crap to one another Uh, again this is all just so different with uh with it not being in a ring in front of fans so i mean you've seen backstage brawls over the years of course but this is just this is just hilarious i was like what is gonna happen so the match starts everyone's kind of pushing each other attacking each other as far as the women, Asuka had uh, had been on the uh, on the railing above, on the second floor, and she had jumped on the other women there: uh, Dana Brooke, Carmella, Nia Jax, uh, etc., and the other ladies in the match. So she had jumped on all of them. They're all wondering where's Asuka. She was the last one to come out. Jumps on them from the second floor uh, balcony, inside headquarters. Um, so. Yeah, so that started off with a bang. And then the men, they just start brawling in the gym. You can imagine all the weights, all the equipment, what kind of crazy stuff they can do. Uh, the one spot I loved was uh, AJ just stuck under some weights. And Mysterio's, he's kind of asking Mysterio for help. Mysterio uh, looks away and just keeps keeps on moving. Doesn't even help AJ. Leaves him there. He would get out of that, of course. But uh, you would also have some cameos. My favorite cameo. As the uh, men are running through the uh, men's bathroom, Mysterio's running down that hallway. He stops, looks around, and who do you see? Brother Love. (laughs) Old school wrestling fans would know him. The original manager for The Undertaker way back in the early 90s. But he popped up. He's a popular name these days. He's got his own podcast, Bruce Pritchard Show. Uh, One of my favorite podcasts I listen to weekly. Uh, So that was a nice little treat. And he said his classic gimmick, I love you. <laughs> Mysterio said, I love you back. And he kept on moving, trying to get everyone else, chasing them down. Um, the match would then proceed. I mean, you, you saw them fighting in the cafeteria. You, you already know they fought in the gym, lobby. It was just all over the place. So uh, you would see, it as, as far as another cameo, you would see Paul Heyman in the cafeteria. He's trying to just chow down. He's trying to eat. And uh, he wasn't able to, as a food fight <laughs> would commence in the uh, cafeteria. Classic food fight with the men and women. Gotta love it. Juvenile. <laughs> uh, so you saw that. You also even uh, had a cameo eventually with uh, uh, Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon in his office. So as they're going up these flight of stairs, everyone's fighting. Some competitors are taken out. They're just knocked out and what have you. But AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan would eventually brawl into Mr. McMahon's office. He throws them out. They messed up the furniture. 
so before they leave, after he throws them out, they go ahead and fix the chairs, make it nice and neat, put it back to the way it was. And then they politely leave. And then they continue to fight. I mean, this was just, if you haven't watched this, if you don't even watch the whole pay-per-view, just watch this match. <laughs> Best match of the night, most entertaining. So you see there are pros and cons to uh, these pre-taped matches. And uh, I loved it. Now, I mean, it may never happen again, never say never. But just thinking how random it is to fight in corporate headquarters, but how good it was, just tremendous, hilarious. <laughs> and finally, all the competitors that were still walking and running and battling to the top would make it to the top. Asuka would pull down the women's briefcase, but... Not before two guys who it appears that they were murdered, <laughs> Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black, are thrown off of the roof of WWE headquarters. And who knows where they're at, what happened. I'm assuming they'll just have some sly way of bringing them back onto TV. But yeah, Baron Corbin would go ahead and throw both of them over. <laughs> And off of the building. So Corbin then after murdering two guys. Proceeds to climb the ladder. Um, you know him and Oscar just there. And Oscar eventually kicks him off. Essentially costing him. That money in the bank uh, briefcase. Which would have been a second victory. Um, you would see AJ and a couple of the other guys up there battling. But ultimately Oscar gets the women's briefcase. And then, of all people, this I didn't expect at all. I don't think anyone did. If you did, you're lying. <laughs> Prove it. Show me in writing. Otis would ultimately win this match by catching the Money in the Bank briefcase after AJ and Corbin had been battling for it on the top of the ladder. Elias would come out and smash Corbin with a guitar. AJ has it, bobbles it, and it falls right into Otis's arms. There's your 2020 men's Money in the Bank match winner, Otis. <laughs> so that was great. I'm curious to see what they do uh, with Otis. Is he going to eventually cash in for WWE Championship or Universal Championship? That's hard to see. Uh, I really like Otis. He's fun to watch. Uh... I guess, you know, weirder things, uh, stranger things have happened in wrestling. So, you never know. If anything, though, he is in a tag team, so maybe he'll cash in and him and his partner, Tucker, can go after the tag title. So, we'll see what happens there. But, yes, Asuka's your 2020 Women's Money in the Bank match winner and Otis for the men. So, that was a, a wrap for Money in the Bank 2020. And uh, let's see what happens going forward with these two winners and their briefcases. When will they cash in? How? And uh, and will they maybe switch brands? That's always something exciting to talk about. Um, so Otis and Oscar can go after anyone, any title, and any show at any time. But yes, so uh, that wraps Money in the Bank 2020. So thank you guys for uh, tuning in once again to Jonathan's Coin Toss. If you're on Twitter, please follow me at bx underscore champ if you have any questions you want to just chat about this pay-per-view or just anything in general 
anything I've discussed previously on this podcast. Uh, as far as the future, I'm trying to get everything aligned. Um, so I know for sure as far as wrestling, WWE Backlash pay-per-view next month. I will have my little brother on the show with me. We'll be discussing the show, all the pros and cons, everything that happened on the show. So that's coming up uh, in June. And uh, But in the meantime, please subscribe if you haven't already, and thank you if you do. And um, next week we'll be discussing uh, more video games. So please be sure to tune into that. In the meantime, stay safe out there, and uh, continue washing your hands, wearing those masks whenever you can. All right, guys, be safe. Much love. Thanks again for listening, and tune in next week on Jonathan's Coin Toss. See you on the flip side.